apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage, and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Jones on the first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio, and we got a pivotal Game 5 tonight in the Eastern Conference between the Bucks and the Celtics. The series tied at two. Uh, Celtics had a big win Monday night. Al Horford had 30. Jason Tatum had 30. I mean, it's a huge game for both teams. I think the big question is, is who has the edge going into this game? That's, that's the big question. And I'm going to go with the Celtics, who has the edge right now. And I'm, I'm going to go with the Celtics because I, I trust Tatum. I, I trust Tatum. I think Jalen Brown, yes, he's been on and off in the series, but he, he I think he could have a big game. Al Horford's played well. The problem with the Bucks is, Really outside of Giannis. Holiday had a really good game three, but really outside of Giannis, there's really no one else. Without With Middleton out, there's really no one else you could trust to be that number two. So going into this game, I think the Celtics have the edge with the home crowd, and I think Tatum has a better supporting cast. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I got the Celtics in this one. Uh, I think they still do have the edge. Yeah, that was what me and Jason were talking about right before you got on, Steve. Is yeah, Giannis just has nobody, you know, without Middleton – they don't have enough around. You can't really trust Grayson Allen in that game in and game out. You know, same thing with Brooke Lopez and Bobby Ports. You can't trust those guys game in, game out. And yeah, I know, you know, Jalen Brown's had a couple of bad games, but you can, you can, you know, 100%, more, you know, rely on him more than the other guys that the Bucks have around him. I do think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have a big game tonight. And I, yeah, I think the Celtics do find a way to pull out game five and take the 3 2 seriously. 
yeah, it should, should be, you know, it should be a very, very close competitive game. But, yeah, it's just uh, in two games in Boston. I don't know if, if that happens. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure what Xander, what Xander means there, but two games in Boston. I don't know if that if that happens. But 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 yeah, it's it, it's going to be tough for the for the Bucks to you know win, win. They have to win one of these two games. The Bucks have Giannis has to win one of these two games in Boston. Yes, is he capable of doing it? Absolutely. I think he's the best player in the sport. But it's going to be hard, especially without one of his best players. Yeah, absolutely, it is. You know. You need that. You need that thing score. Um, I know, like the Celtics have had a tough time guarding him at times in the series, but yeah, like again, as long as he doesn't, you know, he scored thirty-five four. But like, as long as somebody else on that Bucks team doesn't score like 20, 25 points, the Celtics should be able to win that game. Yeah, they, uh, the Bucks, yeah, they have the Bucks to. Have, will, yeah, no, they they, they, they don't, have to win. They'll have one in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah they don't have so to win two. two they don't have to win two in Boston. They have to win one of the two in Boston because they'll have game six in Milwaukee. So yeah, for the Bucks to win, they'll have, Oh, you know, I think you mean, I think it might mean for the series, they have to win two in Boston because they won, oh, yeah, yeah, they okay, won yeah. in game one. I know, I know what Sander means. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to yeah. be tough for them to get that second win in Boston, but I wouldn't be surprised knowing how good Giannis is, but I got to go with the supporting cast of the Celtics over what the Bucks have right now. Yeah. Same as me. Um, I, I, I trust Jalen Brown, you know, I, Al Horford had an unbelievable game four. You know, maybe that kind of is a spark plug for him and it kind of gets him going and carries momentum here for the Celtics. So, yeah, he gets the Celtics at home taking it game five. Yes, and now now we uh, now, now we look at uh, what the Celtics have to do to win tonight. I think I think the biggest key is have Tatum or Brown be good. One of those two guys got to be on and then have another someone else step up like Al Horford has in games three and four. And if that happens, I think the Celtics win. Yeah, for me, I think for the Celtics to win this game, I think you got to make Giannis uncomfortable. You know, I, I think too much in this series. I don't that's hard to do, though. Way. That is hard it to is. do. That's, like, but that's the hardest I thing. I, I think yeah. I think it's the hardest thing to do in the NBA is make Giannis uncomfortable. It is, but I, I, I would press him. I'd press him 94 feet because I think he comes off the floor and it's kind of okay. There's like times this series that he's been able to kind of just dish it somewhere. He's going right to the hole. I think you got to make him work in the backcourt. You know, make him work 94 feet to get the basket or get somebody – um, you know, the ball, and, someone else's ball. And, and Xander made a good point. Let Giannis go off, lock up the role, lock, uh, lock up the role players. Yeah. As you see that in one of the other series is when the Suns have let Luca go, you made that point last week when the Suns have let Luca go off and they've locked up the role players, they've won those games. So yeah, that's a really good point by Xander. Yeah. Just because the, the, the Milwaukee doesn't have that consistent second scorer. Yeah. Let Giannis, you know, let Giannis go off and then, you know, lock up the role players. I think that's a good point by, by Xander there. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, he's not going to – when you, you lock up the rule, guys, Giannis isn't going to score 90% of the points. He, you know, he they need another – they need a number two to, to win the series. And, yeah, you know, if you take out everybody else and you kind of just let Giannis kind of go get his points, you're still going to win that game. You know, you're, the Celtics are still good enough. They're going to win that game. Um, so, yeah, that, that is a good point there by Sander. And that's going to lead us to our question. What do the Bucks have to do to win tonight? And this, Xander, this this led completely. This this fits. It's going to fit right in. Other guys have to step up around Giannis, just like Holiday did in Game Three. Guys have to step up around Giannis. Giannis can't do this by himself. As Shaq and uh, Charles made a good point last night at halftime of that Mavs Suns game, you can't win. You can't win an NBA championship with one guy outscoring guys. Shaq brought up when he was in Orlando, it didn't work. Charles Barkley throughout his career, that didn't work. So. Other guys, especially on the road, have to step up. Other guys outside of Giannis have to step up for the Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they do. And 
to be the best. Yeah, you know, like a Drew Holiday's got to be good tonight. Or, yeah, you know, Drew Holiday, a Brooke Lopez, Bobby Ford. If those guys somehow get hot tonight and open everything else, to be honest, it's great. You know, they, they got a great, great chance. Um, you know, my, my point for the Bucks tonight to win this one, I think they got to finish. They've had some excellent, really good third quarters the last couple of games. The fourth quarter, they haven't really played that well. They got to finish tonight. You know, you got the lead going the third, fourth quarter, you know, fourth quarter. You got to be able to finish tonight to, to win the series. Um, you know, they, they played really well in the third quarter. It's that fourth quarter that's kind of they, – they've struggled a bit this year. So, I think for the Bucs tonight, they got to finish late. And Xander makes a really good point. You know, Bucks need big, a big game from Portis, Holiday, and Connaughton. I think two of those three guys got to have big games. I, I, I agree there. Two of those three guys got to have big games. You're on the road. You need other guys around your best player to get the job done. That that, that, that has got to happen for them to get to be victorious because the Celtics overall without Middleton have the better team. But we know that the Bucks have the best player and that best player can make guys around him better. But also when, you know, Giannis is being double and he's kicking it out to a Connaughton, he's kicking it out to a Holiday, he's kicking it out to a Port, he's kicking it out to a Grace Allen. Those guys have to step up. Yeah, I completely agree. They they do, you know. And if the Celtics do either try to lock up beyond or lock up all the role players, yeah, you know, it makes it even harder for some of those guys to get open. And yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to find a guy like a, you know, Patty Covington is um, you know, he's he's from Massachusetts. You know, I think he's like what lives like twenty minutes outside of Boston. Like you know, that's a guy that you know would love to have a big game tonight. And really put the pressure on the Celtics tonight. So yeah, I think for the for the Bucks, they got a guys got to step around them. Um, cause yeah, you know, Giannis is going to probably get 30, 35, 40 points, but that won't be enough. Um, if, if nobody else steps up. And here's another point by Xander bucks seem to not take advantage of the post players on the, on the C's lack of size to compete with Giannis, uh, Giannis Lopez and Portis bucks have the size to take over the series. Good point. Good point. That's something that Mike Bootholzer has got to do. He's got to get the ball inside. Yes, the Celtics, and then there's a good chance Robert Williams. Well, I don't know if Robert Williams is playing or playing or not, but that's a good point by Xander. Utilize your size. I know that's kind of old school NBA, but it's an advantage you have. The the Bucks should use it. Yeah, absolutely, they should. I think they tried to use that on the defensive side of the ball, where they're trying to make the Celtics kind of settle for threes, which has worked a couple of the games. And a couple of the games, the Celtics have shot the ball really well. But yeah, on the offensive side, take it the basket. You know, Rob Williams is a great inside defender, but as you mentioned, he may not be available tonight. Yeah, and, and the Bucks have gotten, you know, get to the line, hit your free throws. Like, that. that that's something that could really open up for those role role players, too. It, it, you know, you're, you're taking the basket. They got it. The Celtics got to come double team now. That opens it up for some three-point shots for Holiday and, and the other uh, role players. And they, they hit those shots, yeah. So, I think it's a good point. Yeah, the Bucks kind of take, take advantage of their size. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, we got another comment from uh, – I don't want to get this uh, – we got another comment saying hi and uh, from, uh, I think, um, America TV Sports saying hi. Hey, hi, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And feel free to comment anything you want to comment. We'll definitely read it and we'll definitely start a conversation with it. So feel free to comment anything you want to comment. But, yeah, the Bucks definitely got to take advantage of their size. Now, I, th- I think we've both said the Celtics are going to win tonight, but we'll, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll talk about it again. I think the Celtics win tonight. That's my prediction. I think they go up 3-2, and I still have them winning the series in seven because, I, like I've said earlier, they have a better team around Tatum than the Bucs do around Giannis. I think Middleton is the difference maker. Him not playing is the difference maker in the series, so that's why I got the Celtics winning tonight and the Celtics winning in seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with my Celtics in six here. Uh, I think they finish. They get it done tonight at home, and 
they go uh they go game six they somehow get it Whoa. get it done wow win Whoa. by 15 Whoa, so you got the six, just, Justin, you got, yeah, I was kind of focused on what Xander was typing. You got the Celtics in six, right? Yeah, I still got Celtics in six. You got the Celtics in six. Bucks win by 15, no way. I ain't joking. There is no, I here's, here's something I will guarantee. There is no way the Bucks win by more than double digits tonight. No yeah. way. On the road, in Boston, no way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis carries the Bucks to a victory and they win. There is no way the Bucks win this game by more than double digits. No way. At all. And Xander, I'll give you permission to call me out in the group chat tonight if they do win by more than 15, because there is no way, no way the Bucks win this game by more than more than double digits. Yeah, unless if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown get hurt, that's probably the only uh possible way they, they lose by more than 15 at home. They lose by 15 at home tonight or even double digits. I love it, fellas. Uh, that's like the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's the only way of that happening. So it should be very interesting tonight. Game five, pivotal, pivotal game five of the Bucks and Celtics tonight. At seven o'clock, but we got to move on to the other Eastern Conference series. And, we, and it's Xander's and Xander's Miami Heat are up on the Philadelphia Sixers three games to two. But unfortunately for Xander, his Miami Heat won't aren't the story. The story is the Philadelphia 76ers and the absolutely pathetic, pathetic effort from this basketball team last night. It starts with Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid is to blame, and James Harden is to blame. Just a they had the momentum in the series. And their effort last night was absolutely pathetic. Horrible. I mean, this is not what the Sixers thought of when they traded for James Harden. Not at all. They thought when they traded for James Harden that this team was going to at least get to the conference finals. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, Andrew. We'll get to that prediction. I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat closed it out in Philly the way the Sixers played last night. Because the Sixers were a disgrace last night. They were an embarrassment last night. Doc Rivers coached like he, he, he – the way he coached last night, he should be fired. That effort was absolutely horrendous. Horrendous. James Harden is uh, – we thought in game four, we, we, but he proved that like game four was fool's gold. He was absolutely horrible last night. Embiid came out. Embiid was terrible. The Sixers just don't have a leader. Embiid's a great player, but he's not a leader. He is not a leader. They have no leadership on this basketball team. And that's why this team is not an NBA – this team is not a contender to win a championship. I'm surprised they're still playing. I think the big reason why they're still playing is no one stepped up around Jimmy Butler in Philadelphia for the Heat. That's the only reason why the Sixers still season is still going. This team is a disgrace. This team is an embarrassment. The effort was an embarrassment. They go out and trade for James Harden, and they're not even close to a title contender. That tells you everything you need to know about this team. Yeah, that was uh, that was horrible. What about Doc Swain? I didn't get them ready for a game five. You shouldn't have to though. Like you, you, have you to. it's game yeah. five. It's game five of the playoffs in the NBA playoffs. How do you have to get your team ready? Any team that LeBron James is on is ready to go. Any team that Steph Curry's on is ready to go. Any team, any Laker team with Kobe Bryant is ready to go. Any team with Michael Jordan is ready to go. How do you have to be ready for a game five? That makes no sense at all. Even without you know mentioning all those guys, if you're a player, how would you not be up and excited for for a NBA playoff game and a, and a best, it pretty much a best of three at this point. Yeah, I, that again, I think that tell yeah, that tells you all you need to know about that organization and, and the players in that locker room and, and all that. That 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 you know, that needs a clean out because that that that's sad. That you're not ready, you're not motivated to go out there for game five, and you got at, yeah, they got embarrassed, they got smoked. Um, they got they came out early, they got punched in the stomach, and they just no fight just let it happen. Nope, they just let it happen, let it happen, and that is why there is no way. 
this team should give James Harden any extension. If he opts out of his deal, let him walk. Let him walk. There's you 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 cannot sign James Harden. You were right about it. I remember we were arguing, you know, before, before the end of the season. I really like the Sixers, but you knew that they were just they 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 just didn't have it this year, and and, and they don't at all. And here we go. Doc slowly becoming a coach no one wants. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think a reason why Doc is becoming that Philly is a disgrace as Philly is as a, is as a disgrace as the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. In the NBA, yeah, there became as big. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. Philly has became as big of a disgrace. And at this point, you could argue the Nets probably. It's crazy to say they won the trade, but they won the trade just because they got rid of Harden. They got rid of Harden. They got pieces. And O. Simmons did nothing, but at least they got pieces. Philadelphia yeah, like, gave up pieces. Philadelphia has if he opts in, they're going to deal with a guy with. They have to they have to deal with the guy with like a cap at a forty three million. I mean, it's just just it's just an absolute mess in Philly. And we'll get to Doc. Doc's slowly becoming a coach that no one wants to play for because of these playoff collapses. Happened with the Clippers had that three one lead in two thousand fifteen. He had that three one lead, you know, against the Nuggets uh, last year. He loses to the Hawks in the second round. It's amazing. He won an NBA championship, got the Celtics to a championship, was considered one of the top coaches in the league, and now he's now he's fallen. He's one of the, he's now a coach no one wants to play for, and I, and I don't blame him for not wanting to play for Doc. He didn't have his team ready to play a game five. That's disgraceful. No, and then a couple of weeks ago he called out his that um that um O three uh, Orlando Magic team. He was calling them out too, like you know going back to the just, past about just um, take responsibility. Yeah, they got yeah. I, He's still up for the Lakers job, I guess. It's too. It's still a candidate somehow. I uh, uh, I can't imagine the Lakers are that dumb after this year to go out and hire him. But you never know. But yeah, again, it. I five years ago, I was I loved Doc Rivers. I thought he was an outstanding coach. Yeah, now forget about it. He's been horrible. Uh, yeah, he, he's an excuse maker. That's what he's done this whole playoffs. Again, I just it's horrible, horrible game plan. Team not – I just – I don't know how you don't have a team – your team's not fired up to play in a game five. It's horrible. Yeah, and then that, that's – and then didn't the Sixers give up a couple of first-round picks? I know it doesn't mean a ton. They did, they did give up first-round picks, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and Ben Simmons for the, for a guy who they thought was going to get them at least to the conference finals. He's not – honestly, he's not even gotten them close to the conference finals. No, uh, no, no. And they're, they're, I, I got the Heat winning this thing game six. There's no way – that the Heat and that organization lose to this Philly team right now. It just it's just a giant cancer all around that organization right now. Still, you know, and I know you know they they rebuilt it. They tore it down the wrong way and went about it the wrong way and tanking all that. And I guess this is karma. You know, I, I guess it's karma for the way you, you tanked here and you. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they took uh, Jason Tatum over Markel Fultz? Yeah. I know that wasn't oh, yes. I know that wasn't Daryl Morey, but that was I think it was Sam Hinkie and Elton Brand. But could you could you imagine if they took Jason Tatum over Markel Fultz? What a horrible pick that was. Yeah, that was. And then go back to the the Nets could have had him too, and that he was in that um, you know, the Nets could have had Tatum, but um, the Celtics got that pick in that trade too. Yep. yep so both yep. these teams could have had Jason Tatum. I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I know. So I know this is this is a question we've kind of already answered, but how did the Sixers get back in the series? I, I think Harden has to be great, and Embiid has to be great, but they have no cap. I don't because but Harden has no capability of doing that. So I think there's zero way the Sixers. There's no way the Sixers get back in the series. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I think Embiid's got to be a little bit more aggressive um, in this game. Because just he can make a difference to both ends of the floor. I think they need that more. 
And, you know, for the Sixers, it's home cooking. You know, they, they shot 24% in this series on the road. They've been 40, 40, 40 and a half percent at home shooting from behind the arc this, um, this series. So again, if they can shoot the ball well on in game six, they, they got a shot, but I, I don't really see it happening. And I, I do think that he get them in six. And we got a question from Xander. We said, you know, how did the Heat close out the series? I think we're going to close the series, so we don't need to answer that. Uh, here we got a question from from Xander. Uh, if Miami wins the ship this year, and that's that's a big if, does this show you can win without a superstar, or did Miami lock off? I think it proves you can win without a superstar. I think if Miami wins a championship this year, this proves you could win with a great front office, which they have with Pat Riley. Pat Riley would not be putting up with anything the Sixers are doing right now. He would if that was you lose that game. That's mm-hmm. Pat Riley. He is letting you hear it. So and they got a top, they got a great coach in Eric Spolstra. They have one of the top organizations in basketball. If they win, I will change my. I, I, I will say this: if the, if I'll promise this to you, Xander. If the Miami Heat win the championship, I will say organizations win championships, not players. But but because I because I think in the NBA, superstars win championships, not organizations. But I will change my thought process if the Heat win the championship this year. Yeah, you know, I'm somebody that's kind of always been more on the side of the organization than the player side. But I think you have to have a good mix, though. Like, you, you saw with the late – like, I think, you know, the Lakers side, they weren't on the same page. You know, something like the Heat, Pat Riley, Eric Folger, they've been there forever. They kind of know what to do. It works. Golden State, you know, Curry, Thompson, that front office, they, you know, they're always on the same page. you got to be on the same page, even with, like, the stars. The Nets haven't – like, look at Kyrie. Kyrie and that organization, you know, that's what happens when you let players run your organization, like a guy like Kyrie. I've always kind of been on the side more of the organization, you know. But, yes, you know, the players do have a big part of that, but I think you got to have that good mix. It's only like the Heat. They've always had that good mix. It's always been a great organization, Um, and that's that's a big thing. And that's why the Heat have – Consistently, one have been one of the best franchises in the NBA the last you know twenty or so years. And we got a comment from I think we know with his Facebook users, we know it's Jared. Uh, we have a comment: the Heat too big of an if. LOL. I, listen, I don't think they're the favorite, but because of their culture and their coaching, I'm not going to count them out from winning this thing. I know they don't have that. Yeah, I know Jimmy Butler's not that. T- I mean, he's still he's a top twenty, top fifteen player. I know he's not that top player, but uh, but I think they have a because of their culture because of their coaching. They have a chance. I'm not picking them to win the next series or the NBA Finals, but that doesn't mean they don't have a chance. No, they, they totally have a chance. You know, they go up with a team like the Suns, the Booker. I think that's a great defensive series. You know, even if they play a team like the Warriors, I think defensively they could hang in there with them. You know, I, I think they could hang in there with anybody. Butler's, Butler's good enough. You know, we've seen Butler can have can have a huge game. Van is great down low. I think the Miami, they got some great, you know, shooters, like a hero, Tyler Hero. You know, Gabe Vincent stepped up, Kyle Lowry. Like they have enough guys. Like they they don't have a star, but they have a they have a really good kind of solid roster. That they've had guys who have been the finals and have won finals, like Kyle Lowry. You know, it, it won't shock me that the Heat will win this thing with the organization, coaching, and just the team they have. They they you know, again, it's just that that locker room. They they know they know what it takes to win. Absolutely, without question, without question. So. We will move on to the uh, to, to the Western Conference. And uh, last night, the Suns beat the uh, Mavericks 110 to 80. The Mavericks is a different issue with them than the Sixers. It's not an effort issue. It's just a talent issue around Luka Doncic. And that showed up last night. Really, outside of Jalen Brunson, 
Nobody stepped up around Luca. And, and like you said last week, and I kind of disagreed with you, the, the Suns should just let Luca have to do what he does and then lock up the role players. They didn't do that in games three and four. They lost. They went back to doing what they did in games one and two. Last night, they wind up winning go, to go up 3-2 in the series. The big question is, how do the Mavs uh, get back into this series? And it's it's pretty easy. Somehow, some some guy somehow play. Uh, someone has to step out up outside outside of uh, Brunson and Luca. They got you know like just like in Game Four when uh, Dorian Finney Smith had that big game. Reggie Bullock had, played pretty well at home. Uh, Bertans played well in Game uh, in Game Four. Cleveland played well in Game Three. They got to have guys step up around Luca Doncic, but I think it's gonna be very hard to because I feel like the Suns have figured out how to play the Mavericks now. Let Luca get his and just lock up the role players. And and I think it's pretty easy for them to win because because after Luca, they clearly have the three three best players in the series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Dallas did. They had the contributors. I don't know why the Suns went back to kind of, you know, game three and four. I don't know if it's not broken, why think, you know, don't fix it. They they um you know change their yeah, they they kind of change it up and they kind of let the other role players kind of get going. And yeah, like Dorn Finley Smith had a really good game, you know, three game three and game four. So yeah, I think for the Suns, kind of get back to it, and for the Mavericks, they, they you know they're gonna need to, they, you know, they're gonna have to probably run some set. I think you know the way to kind of try to break that is by trying to run some set plays for some of those role guys to try to get them some open looks, you know, because you know it's gonna be tough for, uh, you know, Luca's probably gonna be able to distribute, you know, if somebody's open, you know, they're gonna have to find some open guys, and yeah, you know, same thing with the Bucks. Luca could go score his 40 points, but if nobody else really helps them out, they're not winning the game. Absolutely. And you talked about running set plays. This is why – this is the difference between Jason Kidd and Rick Carlisle. I think, feel like Rick Carlisle was better at doing that, but Jason – I don't think Jason Kidd is as good at doing that as Rick Carlisle. Now, the reason they, they – the reason they, they, uh, Carlisle left and Kidd, Kidd went is because Carlisle and Luca didn't get along. And you got to have a – Kidd's not great. But you gotta have a coach that gets along with Luka Doncic because you have because they're gonna they're gonna choose Luka Doncic over uh over uh over any head coach. He's he's the face of the franchise. They paid him the big money in the offseason. So, but that's where I feel like they're not gonna be able to run those those set plays. I think it's they're gonna have a hard time winning Game Six. That's why I got the Suns winning in six. And Xander made a great comment. Dallas's role players don't travel well, and he's one hundred percent right about that. The role, the role, yeah, they they really outside of Brunson last night. The role players have been the Dallas's role players have been absolutely terrible on the road. Yeah, they have. That's a great point. They they really have struggled, and they saw it last night. They scored what thirty four points in the second half, something like that. Again, in an NBA game, that's pretty. You know, again, that's something you just see happen. They were, they really struggled in the second half, and yeah, I, I think the Suns kind of figured it out last night. Again, I, I can't see Chris Paul playing as bad as he did in Dallas in Game Three, Game Four. Um, I, I think they figured it out. I think. Yeah, for Dallas, I think it's Lucas is going to be able to go off. But yeah, can any of those rule guys kind of step up? And yeah, I'm surprised Dallas doesn't run a ton of kind of sets because Jason, you know, you think point guard situation, point guard, they kind of have that feel and all that and kind of, but I, I guess it's a totally different thing than being on the floor than being kind of on the sidelines and kind of observing it. So yeah, I think this one's kind of figured out here and they, they win this thing at six. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Now, the next question is. Uh, what do the Suns have to do to close it out? And I think what what's has, has to happen is Chris Paul has got to score more. He's the last three games he scored under 15 points. Yeah, last night he scored seven points. That didn't matter. 
That did, that did. Oh, we'll, we'll get to the Xander's count right here. Luca needs to uh, needs a Middleton or an Ingram type of player to be paired with, and that can take his. That can take. Yeah, great point there. I think if he can get one of those two guys, oh, that definitely could take pressure off Luca. But back to Phoenix. Chris Paul has got to score more. I think that's if they're going to win game uh, game six, he's got to score more because in games he did, he had a terrible game four. He scored 12 points in game three. He's got to be more of a scorer if this team, I feel like if this team is going to close it out uh, on Thursday night, and more importantly, if this team is going to get past the Warriors. Because I feel like no matter what, if it goes to six or seven, they're going to get past the Mavs. If this team wants to get past the Warriors, Chris Paul is, Chris Paul, it's imperative that Chris Paul becomes more of a scorer. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to need him. Yeah, you mentioned, yeah. I'm like the Warriors, they got Curry Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, they they have so many scores that can kind of beat you. That yeah, um, who's the best player in the Suns? Oh, that, I think I think I think you got two, I think you got two different answers here. The leader, I think, is definitely Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul is definitely the leader, and he and he helped change the culture there. The, the, the bubble did. The bubble helped, but when he, he the bubble made them a decent a, 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 a playoff caliber team, and then when Chris Paul came, his leadership made them a championship caliber team. So I do think Chris Paul is a leader. But the best player on this team right now is Devin Booker. Devin Booker is definitely the best player, but I think the leader is Chris Paul. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Chris Paul, as you mentioned, he definitely changed the culture there. Wherever he's gone, yeah, he doesn't want a title yet, but he's always changed the culture and he's always helped that pro that that franchise to come come a winner. You know, he he's definitely the leader. And then oh yeah, yeah, Devin Booker, um, been an MVP candidate the last couple of years. He'll he'll get one at one point. Yeah, Devin Booker is their best player, but yeah, the leader on that team is it's definitely Chris Paul. But going back to what we were talking about with Chris Paul, he's even though he's the leader, he's just the leader, he does a great job of that. He's got to assert himself more. He's got to take, he's got to score more, just like he did in games five and game six against the Pelicans. It, he's got to score more. I think it's got to start in game six of this series. Put this series away because you know the Warriors will probably win tonight, so they're going to be rested. You don't want the Warriors to have too big of an advantage in terms of rest. So he's, so I feel like the Suns have to the Suns should really really take take game six against the Mavs as a must win so they don't so they're not the team that's tired when they got to play the Warriors in the conference finals yeah absolutely it's a big game for them um <clears throat> it's a big yeah it's a big one I expect Chris Paul to play well tonight to close out series here you know they they you know I expect them to play a lot better than he did on the road the first couple games you know with Booker you know with a and yeah Chris Paul again you know he, he he's a winner, you know. He, he's kind of changed the culture wherever they've gone. I, I do think it, he, he plays a lot better because yeah, the Warriors probably get it done tonight. You don't want to play Game Seven and play this game. It's on Saturday, I believe. So it's a, it's another couple of days and where the and you probably don't start the you know you probably start Monday. So yeah, you, you probably get a one game turnaround for the Warriors coming. So yeah, you know the the six or for, for the Sunday got to close out tonight. I think you will. And Sanders comments, if this is the Suns we are getting and they play like this in the next round, oh, in GS, in the next round, GS, bye. bye. Yeah, yeah. G, I mean, G, yeah, if the Suns actually play the way they did in this round, I think GS beats them. I think the, I think the Warriors beat them. I definitely think the Warriors beat them. I mean, if they, if, they lose, if they lose two games on the road to the Mavericks, if they can't beat the Mavericks one of those two games on the road, how are they going to beat the Warriors one of these two games on the road? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I know we we'll got to in a second, but the Warriors probably played as bad as you could on Monday night, and the Grizzlies still could not find a way to beat them. And when are the Warriors going to play that shoot that bad like they did the other night? It's just, it's not going to happen again. 
I don't think in this playoff at least. So, yeah, you know, the, the Suns got to figure out a way to go on the when when that time comes. Because yeah, you're you got you're gonna have to beat the Warriors probably at least once on, on the road. Because I, I imagine Golden State's gonna be able to go into Phoenix and win a game or two. So you're gonna have to go out. You're gonna have to go into Golden State and not beat them. If you can't beat a, a Dallas team on the road with again, Lucas Doncic is a superstar. But they got nobody else around. You're struggling to win there. You're going to have fits in, in um, Golden State. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we'll transition to Golden State as they play in game five tonight in Memphis. John Morant is probably not going to play. And and uh, the, the big question is, can the Grizzlies force a game six? And I and you said it earlier. I don't think, I don't think they can because you said it earlier. The Warriors could not have played worse on Monday night, and they still won. I think they're going to be hungry tonight. I think they want that rest. I think they want to put this thing away. And we know Steph and Clay, they're going to be they're going to have a bounce back game. They're, I mean, I know Steph had a good game, but I feel like the Warriors as a team are going to have a bounce back game. They're going to close out the series tonight. They're going to close out the Grizzlies tonight and have the rest they need going into the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm with you there. You know, the Grizzlies, you know, Desmond Baines had a really rough kind of series. He's not played well, but there's still some Grizzlies just have not played as well in this series. And, you know, they, they surely it's a very good Golden State Warriors team. And we both said they would, um, you know, they would struggle in this series. That, you know, it's a young team and they're just not ready to face a team like Golden State yet. Now that your leader and John Morant, I absolutely think the, the Warriors go in there tonight, beat them. I can't, yeah, I, I can't see the Warriors shoot as bad as they did the other night. You know, Jordan Poole is. I think Jordan Poole is over 10. That's not happening again tonight. The, the Grizzlies lost their chance to get a game in San Francisco. Yeah, they probably win that game if Morant plays. He, you know, and again, it's a different story today, but without John Morant tonight at home, I see the Warriors going in there and knocking them off. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So I got the Warriors heading to the conference finals. But before we wrap up with the NBA, we got to talk about the MVP. And uh, on Monday, it, it looks like Jokic is going to be named MVP for the second year in a row. It's a tough one for me, but I probably would have went with Embiid because of what Embiid did. I, I feel like what Embiid did with the, with, the, with, the, with the mess he was in in Philadelphia, with the Simmons situation, with Harden not being as good as people thought he was going to be, and he still had a, probably one of the best seasons the center had since Shaq. I know he didn't have a good game last night. He didn't come out ready to play last night. But he, he outside of – Doc and Harden, he's been the one, at least he's the one who has uh, been gutted out. And uh, listen, before, let me just get to a comment by Xander. Grizz can hang hang their hat on getting this far with one future superstar. If they can pick up a Bradley Beal or an Ingram, oh, absolutely. It's like them, the thing is them and the Mavs. If, if them or the Mavs can pick up that really good second guy, I think that gives one of those teams the advantage, that definitely is going to give one of those teams the advantage going forward. Yeah, absolutely, because you know Golden State. It's an you know Curry and Thompson. They they've been around a while. That's a, that that roster starting to kind of get their up in age. Chris Paul will be around forever. Obviously, Booker. You know, Aiden's contracts coming up. We'll see what kind of happens there. But yeah, you know, there there's definitely a spot if they one of those two teams could get a Beal or Ingram or, or somebody else, a second guy for them. I absolutely. They, again, they both those teams are title contenders. Absolutely. Now back to the MVP. Uh, if, uh, if, if, uh, you, you, I mean, Embiid, just everything he had to deal with this year in Philadelphia uh, and, and last, and last night, yes, it, it, he didn't have a good game, but it's more on Harden and Doc. I feel like that was more on Harden and Doc. Everything's had to deal with in Philly this year. He would have been my MVP. Jokic, yes, he had a great year statistically, but in the playoffs, his team was easily out in five games. And I think Jokic is a great player. I think he's an outstanding player. 
Uh, here, 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 here we, here's the account from Xander. And V lost the MVP when the Sixers lost to that 30 point blow to the Nets to, to uh, lost, lost to the Nets 30 point blow to the Joker in Philly, in, in Philly. The race was neck and neck then got blasted by Miami and then lost to Boston all in a two weeks in. So it's, 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 it's close. It's close between the two. I would have went Embiid, but I don't think it's a huge issue with Jokic winning it. No, it's not because the Joker is a special player. And now I know it's not supposed to be like, you know, included into the playoffs. It's supposed to kind of end the regular season. But yeah, I think you saw what Joker was able to do. I know they got blown out by by the Warriors, but it's like he somehow won him a game against Golden State. Like he's a special type of player at his size. But the thing is, you know, and I, I, you know, it's on the defensive end of the floor, Embiid makes such more of a difference than Jokic does on the defensive end of the floor. And I'm with you. When's the last time we've seen a center, like a, you know, a back down kind of center like Embiid? I know he could shoot to three, but like a center kind of, you know, since Shaq. And we haven't had a center be like that. And especially in 2022, again, it, it's it's rare to see. So I thought this was kind of Embiid's year, especially because Joker won it last year too. I figured this year Embiid was going to get it. I thought it was going to be Embiid that got this one, that got this MVP. Again, Joker was totally, again, to keep that team afloat for missing, you know, their second and third best player, you know, great to him. He's, he's, he's a really, really good player. And again, you know, they'll get – are lucky to have him and, you know, late second round pick. He's, he's been great, but I, I thought Embiid deserved, deserved, deserved this MVP. Um, I, I see Xander's point, the blowouts there. Uh, but yeah, as you may, it just Philly is just a total dumpster fire. Like it has been the last decade. And I think he did a lot for this team and I think he deserved to get this MVP. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's close. It's really, really close between the two, but if I had to pick, I would go with Embiid. Yeah, I would have too. Especially Joker won it last year. I I definitely probably would have gone with uh, Joel Embiid this year. Yes, yes, yes. So it'll be interesting. So Embiid, congratulations to Jokic winning his second straight MVP. And for him, you hope Jamal Murray and Michael Porter get healthy so we can compete for a championship. And uh, here we go. Does Embiid keep Philly afloat if he if he lost his second or third best player? I mean, re- realistically, I mean he play- I mean Embiid played that season. Re- who was the second best player for most of the- before James Harden came? Who was the second best player? I mean, yeah. a young. Yeah, you know, we lost Steve there for a second, but yeah, Tyrese Maxey had a really good year. But coming in, we didn't really know much about you know Tyrese Maxey. We didn't think he was gonna have that big of a you know a step up than he did. You know, they didn't have Ben Simmons for the first half, and then obviously got traded. Uh, you know, just kind of finishing your point there with, with Tyreek Maxey, if you want to finish up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you had a young Tyreek Maxey and Tobias Harris. That was, a sec- that was his second best player. So I feel like he kept that team pretty much – I think he kept them afloat. I think he kept them – you know, they were one of the top four teams in, in the Eastern Conference. So it, it's, it's, it's a tricky debate, but I, but I would go with Embiid. Yeah, it, it is. You know, in the Eastern Conference this year was a lot better too than the Western Conference, if you want to throw that in there too. But yeah, you know, it, it again, yeah, we didn't think Maxi was gonna have this big of a step up this year. Again, he really did step up for this team, and you know, great for him and, and great for the future for him. And but yeah, I, I thought yeah, you know, we kind of you know, I, I thought yeah, it be kind of got it more, and he did kind of help that team stay afloat. And we're kind of really learning a lot about Doc Rivers Sue the last few weeks. He's not the greatest coach in the world, and and you know, the Nuggets have a pretty good coach of Mike Malone. So you know, it's you know that kind of helped out too there. So, yeah, you know, and B kind of was out kind of for most of the year. And James Harden is just, he's another head case. 
I mean, he, he, yeah, I mean, he just, I don't want to say head case, but he just didn't mm-hmm. step up yeah. the way he should have stepped up. No, yeah, no, he, 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 he did not. He had a rough, rough, he's had a rough time here at Billy, just not, not the same guy. A- absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So the Yankees win again last night. They continue to play well. The Red Sox continue to struggle. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. All righty, the Yankees continue to play well. They've continued to stay hot. And last night was a pure was it was definitely a prime example of how this season can be different from the last couple of years. I mean, in in 2020 and 2021, I feel like that's a game they definitely lose. Last night they come through. They're two. They they really the last couple of games they've been struggling offensively, but their two best guys bailed them out of it. Sixth inning down three nothing. John Carlos stand hits the three run homer, and then with Jordan Romano on the mound. Aaron Judge, their best player, comes through in the clutch to win the game for the Yankees 6-5. That was a great, great win for the Yankees last night. Yeah, it was, you know, and, it, you know, that that was, yeah, definitely a big one against the Blue Jays and team that, you know, they played well against so far. But, yeah, that, as you mentioned, the last few years, they, there's no way they win that game. You know, Romano walks two guys, kind of, you know, comes up to Judge and his first career postseason walk-off – or. I mean, first career walk-off homer for him. And uh, Labor Torres, as we just speak, just had a three-run shot. So the Yankees – Oh, he's up 3-1. Wow. Now yeah. let me tell you, he's been hit. Yeah. He's been really, really – Glaber Torres, I mean, he's had some he's had some huge hits, Glaber Torres. I mean, he had that – a couple weeks ago against Toronto, we had the two-run homer, and he had the big single. We saw on Sunday that game-winning home run. And then uh, then today, the home run, three-run homer to put on 3-1. The hits have – they're not only getting hits, but – He's not only getting big hits; they're they're timely. Those hits are so timely, and that and that and that's huge for this team. And we even said it before the season: if Glaber Torres and DJ Lemayu can be better than they were last year, and it looks like they've been so far, this lineup could be really good. And combine that with the way the bullpen and the rotation's been, that's why this team has the best record in baseball. Yeah, you know, it's just all clicking right now. I know it's so early, but like, you know, I don't know if you see the first inning, Tyone. Like it, again, his stuff just was not there. He got out of it, only giving up one run. Um, Sandy, I got two tickets to game two of the upcoming Houston series in September. Yanks versus Sox at New York. Those oh, wow. should be two it, fun it, ones. Yeah, it should be Bad fun ones. I mean, the, the Red Sox are well, probably going to be out of it, but that Houston series <laughs> should be fun because Houston's coming too. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that Houston series should be a lot of fun. And you know, whenever the Astros come to Yankee Stadium, they get it for the Yankee fans. 
Oh yeah, that that that, that would be a fun one seeing the the Astros here. And yeah, Boston's probably gonna be out of the race by then, but it, it's still Boston. You know, Boston's gonna come want to come in here, knock them off. But yeah, everything's clicking. You know, Tyone's has pitched really well this year. You know, again, he's been great. And it's like too, everybody's been healthy. You know, knock on wood. But Tim LeCastro was the first guy going the IL on Sunday all year. They they made a month. When's it, you know? Again, we usually at this point in May, the last couple of years, it, we've seen all the guys from AAA come up because there's 30 guys in the IL. Yeah, they've been healthy, and everything's just kind of going the right way right now. You have a weird feeling Boston going to turn it around. I got news for you. I don't think that team's turned around in this division. I really don't. I, I just think their bullpen is an absolute disaster. We'll get to them, but their bullpen's a disaster. I mean, their their uh, rotation has been good so far, but I can't trust it. And the offense, Trevor Story has been a terrible signing so far, so – I don't think they're going to turn it around. Now, I think the Blue Jays and the Rays, that's going, that's going to be a race between those three. The Yankees, Blue Jays, and Rays, I think that's going to be a race between those three teams. I just don't feel like Boston's going to be in that race. I feel like they're the team that we thought they were going to be last year, a fourth, a clearly a fourth-place team. Yeah, Boston, yeah, I know what you to say. The only thing is the bullpen help. It's Whitlock's probably going to move down to the closer role whenever Chris Sale gets back. That's another month. So who knows how long or how far back yeah, it'll be by then. Yeah, but yeah, and I hear C. Sanders comments. Houston started bad, but look, they're five years behind. You cannot compare the Astro, the Red Sox to the Astros. The Astros have been the kings of the American League since 2017. The Red Sox have had – but they've been very inconsistent. It's been very inconsistent the last four years. 2018, they win the World Series. 2019, they missed the playoff. 2020, they were absolutely terrible. And don't say it was the COVID year. They were going to be terrible anyways. Last year, they, they had a really good year, but struggled in the second half. The only reason they made, they made the ALCS was because they were so good in the, in the first half of the season. And then this year, it looks like they're going to be under 500. So Boston's been so up and down. You could say, oh, yeah, look at the way Houston started. Let me tell you, I trust Houston much, much more than I trust the Red Sox. Yeah, I do. You know, he, you know, Tour's done a great job as a manager, but Dusty Baker's again one of the best. Yeah, you got all those core guys that've been there. Yeah, the Red Sox. It's kind of like one year they're they're gonna exceed expectations. They did it two thousand eighteen, like they did last year, and it's like the next year they're like the fourth, fifth place team. It just yeah, they did get it's gone. You know, on pretty much since like you know twenty ten, like you know somewhere around there where you know. They had the huge collapse there in 2013, you know, in September. It's just, yeah, it's been a weird, you know, there's been the good with the bad with the Red Sox. Um, and, yeah, you know, they, they've kind of, yeah, I, I, I trust Houston a lot more without Tuve and, and what they got and all those guys who have been the World Series, have won a World Series. I, I definitely trust Houston a lot more than just Boston. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, getting back to the Yanks, the, ro- the bullpen we know is outstanding. That bullpen has been great all year. The rotation – been out. Garrett Cole's really picked it up. The last couple starts, Garrett Cole has pitched really well. He's back to being that top pitcher in the game. Cortez was awesome, awesome, awesome on, on Monday. I mean, Montgomery's pitched well. Uh, 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 Severino's been okay, yeah. but and and uh, Tyone's been pretty good. And uh, he says, I still feel the Yanks have a legit arm. They still feel like the Yanks mm-hmm. need a legit arm. Uh, yes, yes. I, I, I may, I may agree with you there because you can't trust Cortez, Montgomery, and even though uh, Cortez and Montgomery pitched well last year, you can't trust Cortez and Montgomery to be this good. So yes, I, I think definitely that's a need, but also I think they're, they need, they need another bat. I really think the Yankees need a, need another bat because this offense is a, 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 a for surprise. Well, they played before last night, this offense 
it, it, this offense concerns me a little bit. They only in their previous five games, they only scored six runs. I mean, Nestor Cortez had a no hitter going on Monday, and he didn't even. He, I don't think he even got the win because the team no. couldn't score. No, Clay Clay Holmes got the win. Yeah, which I is mean, number four. Why the Reds only have five wins? So they only have more wins than the Reds. Yeah, I yeah. So. I mean, I mean, I mean that, that 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 that's the that that's the thing. I mean, the offense. If there's a concern about this team, even though it's been better than last year, it is the offense. Yeah, it's been the bottom of the order. It hasn't been great. I know they've had one of the lower numbers. Again, the catcher spot, they have not gotten much. Oh, Kakashioka. The defense has been, been great. Kakashioka has been horrible. And all these people now, and and, and, I, and I, now I know that what Joe was saying about Gary Sanchez all these years. I mean, all these people that want to Kyle Kakashioka over Gary Sanchez are absolutely crazy. Yeah. But even Austin Roman a couple years ago. Then he went to Detroit. He did nothing there as a starter. Yeah. Again, you, you take the good and the bad with Gary. Um and Sander, yeah, I'm glad the Yankees aren't dependent on the ball. Yeah, but the, and I think we talked about this last week. August, last year in August, when everybody in the NL, what'd they do? They ran, they played small ball. They did. That was the best month of the year. Again, that's again, that's what you know. When I was listening, wa- listen, they were watching the game last night, and they were talking about the Yankees are taking a much, be- you know, much um, bigger approach down the minor leagues on running and taking a more, you know, of they want to be a faster, they want to get quicker on the bases, they want to be smart on the bases. Like that's 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 what they need, you know. They don't, you know. Yeah, you know, you, we don't need the best hitter at every position. No, again, the speed guys work. You know, we've had guys like Gardner. You know, Tim LeCastro's been great when he's gone been, been a pitch runner. It puts pressure on the defense. They're finally figuring that out. Exactly, exactly. Not relying on the long ball. I mean, they relied on it last night, but not completely relying on the long ball. It's it's, it's definitely it's definitely helped them. It has absolutely helped them, and and it definitely has gotten them them to where they are. I mean, I think. They're going to keep this up with the way they're playing. The offense concerns me a little bit, but I, I think they're going to keep this up. I think they're going to stay in first place for a while. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, looking good today. Getting another game on Toronto there, and yeah, like the White White Sox just came off a um a, a sweep of Boston. Actually, their game just got canceled against Cleveland today, and it sounds like it's Cleveland got COVID. Oh wow, wow, not a good sign there. Um, but. You know, so like Chicago's been kind of up and down. Then you go to Baltimore for four more. You you can't lose to Baltimore this time. Um, so yeah, I think this eight game stretch coming up, they they should do pretty well in that. They should kind of with the Rays, I know coming up at the end of the month, but yeah, they should they should be comfortably here in first place for a little little while longer. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now we got to get to the other team that has really, really been struggling, and that's the Red Sox. Right now, I know they won last night, but they're eleven and nineteen in last place in the, in the AL East. And uh, as we said earlier, I, I felt like, I felt like last year was kind of a fluke for them. I really do. I felt last year was a fluke. Uh, if you look at this team, this bullpen is absolutely horrendous. They don't have a closer in two of their five losses. They had a lead in the ninth inning and they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't hold it. You can't have that. You really cannot have that. If you want to be a team that's going to contend, you can't have a team that where it's closer by committee. It's closer by committee. And that's a major, major issue for the Red Sox right now. Uh, so the one thing that's been surprising about the Red Sox is their rotation has actually been the best part of their team. Of all these pitched well again, Waka's been a surprise, and Rich Hill's not been that bad. But the biggest disappointment has been this offense. This offense, outside of, outside of Devers and Bogarts, has been absolutely terrible. JD's been average. I mean, uh, Kike Hernandez has been awful. Jackie Bradley Jr. can't, still can't hit. I don't know why the Red Sox. I don't know why Bloom traded for him. He can't hit at all. He's, he he can't, he can't hit at all. Verdugo has really has really struggled in this lineup. And 
the guy that has really struggled, who has been the biggest disappointment, has been Trevor Story. Trevor Story has been pathetic. He's been awful so far. And if this continues, Hyam Bloom is going to get a ton of criticism for, for signing this guy and not improving this bullpen, which has cost them a, a, a good amount of games early in the season. So it's just, it's just been – the Red Sox are back to being a mess. And I think it all starts at the top. With High and Bloom. I think I think it's all on High and Bloom. Not signing Bogarts to an extension. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think that's absolutely terrible. Let's just say this GM is not Theo Epstein. Not at all. No, he's, uh, he's having a rough uh, year so far. Yeah. It, it, again, I know it's just the rumors with Bogarts, but if they're really $100 million off, I, I, they, they can't be low enough, Matt. They can't, you know – it's pretty sad. Yeah. And you talk about the rotation. Waka's on the IL now. Sale, I guess, suffered a little bit of a setback with a illness, but they're still hoping it won't affect his timeline. He'll still be back in early June. He's supposed to start throwing, I think, by the end of the week. But they're kind of hoping because their bullpen has blown 10 games. That's, it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely Man. terrible. It is terrible. And, and the thing was, this was a problem, especially in the second half of the year last year. And they did nothing to address this. They did absolutely nothing to address this. What they did was was add a add a position player playing out of position. Yeah, yeah. And story, he got the Golden Sabrera last Thursday and got booed. So he should get booed. He has every yeah. right to get booed. That, Trevor that, Story, he's every right to get booed. I mean, he was yeah. supposed to step up for this team, and he has been absolutely terrible. Yeah. So the fans are starting to get on top of him. You know, and I, I think they were hoping as a Yankee fan, I'd love to have. I, I would. They will. They will I'm never. Ever, ever trade him to us. That is not happening. Well, he, no, he can opt out. Oh, he can opt out. oh that would be he nice. That would out. actually be nice. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. That, would, that would be that. If that ends up happening, if, if he, if he, if they let him walk and goes to the Yankees, High and Bloom's got to be fired on the spot. <laughs> yeah, Red Sox fans are going to want that. He, yeah. he wears number two because of Jeter. I don't know if he's, if he grew up a Yankee fan, but he wears number two for Jeter. That, you know, that it could help. But, um, you know, so the stories kind of show that that's kind of been the problem. I think bullpen wise, they're hoping Barnes is going to figure it out. And he, he just has he can't. He's he got no fastball. It. He's throwing just curveballs, and you're just sitting on it. Um, fired on the side. <laughs> I, I, yeah, fired on the spot. Yeah. They, 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 if you they allow that to happen, then you should be. It's it's, it's absolutely absurd to to, 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 to to allow that to happen. Yeah, because I'm like, Elvin and Damon are good players, but like Bogarts is kind of like. You know, there, there's a different feeling of yeah, like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Ellsbury and Damon were on championship teams, but they were not the big reason why they won those championships. But but like Bogarts would be terrible if that happened for the Red Sox. Yeah, it would. I need mean, Bogarts. His name is too similar to mine to be a Yankee. Saying they yeah, again, it runs. Yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, but yeah, you know, the Red Sox, they just they got to. They're, they, again, Whitlock's going to be the closer whenever Sale gets back. But again, that's another month. So how you know? I can't see them continue to try to flow and kind of stay in this thing because the offense did. Yeah, it's been too inconsistent. Alex Redoux got out to a hot start. He's slowed down. He's not played well lately. Um, it's just I don't know in this bullpen because Hansel Robles' numbers have been have looked pretty good. But the thing is, he's like top five in like hard hit rate for like reliever. It's just been – it's been luck factor for him. That's kind of – you know, it's helped his numbers. So, it's been – yeah, it's just – I don't know where – they're going to have to turn somewhere. I don't know where, you know, because it doesn't seem like they're making a trade right now. It's too early, and I don't think there's anybody in the minor leagues right now that they think is going to – you know, on the pitching side, I know they're 
I know like the announcers and the fans kind of want a guy. Um, they want Tristan Cass to get called up, but um, I, uh, I don't know. Of say as the manager, I'd say at least until next year. I think they're obviously, even if they're bad this year, they'll give Cora another year. I think if he's bad again next year, maybe his job's on the line. But I don't think there's any way he gets fired at the end of this year, unless he completely loses the loses the clubhouse. Yeah, and I, I don't think Cora will. Um, I think he's got a lot of respect by his players, and and I know those owners love him. And I, you know, I think him and High Blue have a pretty good relationship. So yeah, maybe next year if they have another year where they, you know, just just stink and they finish fourth or fifth place with the Orioles, then maybe. But yeah, you know, I know that fan base really likes him, and it. You know, again, he's kind of exceeded his expectations last year in 2018, so you have to give him that. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think, yeah, he'll definitely at least get another year. Oh, absolutely. With, with, without question, he, he gets another year. So, before we wrap up baseball, we got to talk about what happened last night. And uh, Reed Detmers threw the first no-hitter against the, of the season against the Rays. Uh, the young, one of the young, I think one of the young, the, the, the one, I think the first Angels rookie to throw a no-hitter. So, he outstanding. It was great to see that. But the bigger story is how well the Angels have been playing with the two superstars they have, uh, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. The Angels right now 21-11 in first place in the, uh, in the, in the AL West. Uh, the big question is, are they contenders to win the World Series? I think they are. I don't think they're the best team in the division. I still think the Astros are. But I definitely think they're going to make the playoffs. And I definitely, definitely think they are contenders. And I think a big reason why is the bullpen's been good. They're, the lineup is definitely better. Jared Walsh is hit. Marsh is hit. Even Tyler Wade has not hit, been that terrible for that. So I think their lineup is better than it's, it's the best it's been in a, in a while. I think their bullpen is definitely – this is the best team Mike Trout has had around him since the Angels made the playoffs in 2014. Yeah, I I don't know. You know, I think they probably get the playoffs, you know, right now. I don't know if I'd still call me contender. I just – can I trust Trout to say healthy? Can I trust Rendon to say healthy? Can I trust Syndergaard to say healthy? Because he's been good too. He's been a great pickup. If, finally, if the Angels finally make the playoffs – I'll give Trout his title back as best player of baseball again. That that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I think so. I think I think I think you might have to him or Otani. I think it's really between him and Otani. Yeah, yeah, right there. Because we haven't seen enough of Fernando Tatis. He's not can't say healthy. Vlad Guerrero. I, I I'm a big Vlad fan. Again, he's just such a good hitter. Um, <laughs> with Vlad, that must be the dope Vlad. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that yeah, yeah, with the trout. I mean, must have talking about saying healthy. I just don't trust the angels to say healthy. Can I trust his bullpen to pitch like they, they can for all year? I don't know. So I like Joe Mann as a manager. I, I, you know, the pitch has been good, but I just, I don't trust this team. Can I, can I see this team do it for 162 games? I'm just not there yet. You know, they're gonna, you know, Zinigar has been really good. You know, trout's having a really good year. Rendon has not been great, but again, he played 50 games last year. Can he stay healthy? I just, I don't know if I'm there yet with the Angels. I think they can make it. If they can get it in, I think they could go on a run and knock some people off. And again, that would be great for the sport of baseball. I know baseball is rooting for it, but I'm not there yet. You made up a good point. Baseball needs the Angels to make a run. I think the Angels will get the highest ratings of any. The, the, I think the Angels will be the will get the, the highest. If they go far, they're going to baseball. The ratings in baseball are going to be really high because of the two superstars they need. The lack of the stars being marketed in baseball is a problem. If they can have Trout and they can have Otani, they can have Trout and Otani in their league championship series, in their World Series, I think that's really going to help the ratings. I think the ratings will be the highest. I think baseball will have the highest ratings since 2016 if the Angels make a big run this year. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And let's take a step further. The best four records on the major leagues are the Mets, Yankees, Angels, Dodgers. This is the two biggest markets in the country. Man, those four teams kind of face off in the AL and the uh, NLCS. Yeah, you know, the, the Rays had, had really spiked. Yeah, baseball is rooting for that. Baseball is rooting for these two uh, or these four franchises to go on a long run because it will definitely help the um, rating. So, yeah, I would do If the Angels could somehow get that far, Major League Baseball is going to be loving it because, yeah, their, their numbers would be great. Yeah, imagine a Yankee, a Yankee Angel, uh, ALCS. And a, uh, with this, all the star power, you got the Yankees, then you got all the star power, you got the star power of the Angels, and then you have a Met Dodger NLCS. So that, that's definitely something baseball is rooting for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, then again, any combination of those four teams in the World Series is going to do a great number. You know, you could, so yeah, you know, baseball totally ruined for that. It'd be great for Major League Baseball and would obviously help the ratings of those four teams could all make the championship series and, you know, um, all healthy, you know, hopefully we're trying in Otani. And yeah, that'd be baseball is better when the big market. Oh, that's, that's, that, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a great point by Xander. Baseball is definitely better when the, it absolutely is. If you, and, that, and baseball, I think that's the one sport you can make a point for is better when the big markets are successful. Because if you look at the NFL, Tom Brady's in Tampa, not a big market, but everyone watches them because it's Tom Brady. I think football, it's more about the quarterbacks when the quarterbacks doesn't, the market's aren't as big because Dallas hasn't even been to a, you know, a conference championship game in 25 years, but the NFL is better than it ever has been. So it's not like they needed the Cowboys to be great. They need the, the field. The NFL needs the quarterbacks to be great. And usually they get really good quarterback matchups in their bigger games. NBA, it's not as much about the markets. It's more about the superstars. If the superstars are in it, because Cleveland wasn't a big market, but LeBron James was on that team. So a lot of people watch baseball, the markets matter. If the bigger the market, the better the ratings. Yeah, absolutely. And, Cause yeah. And the better baseballers. And the better yeah. baseballers. Yeah, because, you know, you think about it, too, especially with the way the owners spend in Major League Baseball. You know, Pittsburgh doesn't have these stars. You know, Cincinnati doesn't really – they got Votto, but, like, you know, yeah, like, you, you know, the markets, it's like, you know, they have the stars. You know, these big guys have the stars. No one cared about the Reds winning Brewers, winning the Rays. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, I, I like yeah. the Brewers. I think they go on a long run, but, like – you know, Yelich is the same guy. Yelich is the same player, but like, how you know, is the cat? He's like somebody that's made not really follow baseball get that excited to watch Christian Yelich? Probably not. You know, and you know, you could kind of say somebody that's not a big baseball fan, they're probably going to want to watch the Trotter Tani, and that's kind of what the sport needs. Yeah, they need those big teams to kind of get the mark. You know, get get kind of those casual fans really into it. Get kind of the people that don't really watch a lot of baseball to want to want to watch the postseason because you have those stars in it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, Tom Brady is going to be heading to the broadcast booth after he retires. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Hello, my name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Showing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting CloverCrestMedia.com. 
So after he retires, Tom Brady is going to be joining the broadcast booth and working for Fox's number one team. He'll join Kevin Burkhart in the booth whenever he retires. I feel like it's going to be after this season because I think because his contract is done with the Bucks. I feel like this will be his last season as as, as playing. And I think because he, now he knows he has something after football. I think he goes and works for Fox uh, after that. But Tom Brady, he's set. He's set for the next decade now. After he retires, he'll be joining Kevin Burkhart in the broadcast booth. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably it for him. Uh, crazy that he, you know, the crazy deal, 10 years, $375 million to be a broadcaster. Uh, he's going to make a lot more money than he did with the, you know, in, in football. And, again, you know, he would deserve that, make that kind of money. But um, it'll be really weird to hear him in the locker or in the press box. But, um, yeah, you know, good for him. He's kind of figured it out, and I wonder – that was probably part of the, you know, he probably could have got something done with Fox, you know, if he really wanted to this offseason to, to start in, in September, but he probably wanted one more year. And, uh, you know, yeah, he probably just he probably wants to stay close to football. It kind of seems like a guy that does not really want to leave the sport, and this is going to keep him close to it. Absolutely. And there's just nothing this guy fails at, and I think he's going to be a great analyst for Fox because there's nothing he doesn't work hard at. He likes to watch film. He'll be watching a lot of film during the week. Being an analyst at Fox, I think he's going to be outstanding. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, he just he's such a smart guy out there that you know it's just gonna be something where he's gonna kinda just know everything that's good, you know, he's gonna know a lot that's gonna be kind of pre-snap stuff that's gonna be it just kind of hear, you know, hear his process of kind of going everything through pre-snap of kind of what we've seen the last 22 years because he's gonna be able to kind of pick up some of those probably blitzes being the press boxes still. So yeah, it'll be very fascinating to hear him again. Yeah, he's such a smart, smart guy. No, he knows this. He knows the sport inside and out. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to listen to him um, whenever that that kind of broadcast career starts. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now, there wasn't much news in the NFL this week, but my team made a move, and they, this was a move we saw coming. The Giants cut James Bradbury to free up cap space. They free up ten million dollars in cap space by cutting James Bradbury. But the biggest criticism here, and this is my first criticism of Joe Shane at the GM, if you knew you were planning to cut James Bradbury, why in the second round? I know you traded down once. Why did you trade down twice? And when you traded down the second time, Kyler Gordon and uh, Ky- Kyler Gordon was still on the board, and uh, Andrew Booth, Andrew Booth, and Kyler Gordon were on the board. You traded down to take Wondell Robinson. Why? Why didn't you just take one of those corners if you knew that James Bradbury was retiring? Because right now, uh, Dory Jackson's the number one corner. Flots the number who they drafted in the third round from LSU. He's the number two corner, and then it's really between like you know, uh, Darnell Holmes. Uh, Rodarius Williams, one of those guys to be the nickel corner. So why would you not take a corner in the set? Why would you trade down and draft a wide receiver we knew was going to be there in the third round instead of drafting a corner in the second round? That's what I don't get. I get the fact they cut Bradbury. I mean, Bradbury had a really good year. had a career year in 2020, came back down to earth. He was average last year for us. So I get cutting Bradbury, but the problem is, is why, why would you – why would you not take a corner so you could get close to as good at the position? Now you're clearly worse at the position with a defensive coordinator that likes to play a lot of man coverage, even though Brad Bradbury's his own corner didn't fit that scheme. Why wouldn't you take a corner in the second round? If you knew you were going to get rid of Bradbury. Yeah, I'm with you. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause there's some really good corners left on the board. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. Cause we kind of, kind of knew this was going to come for weeks and you know, that's what was going to happen. So it, it is interesting why he didn't go in the second round when there's some really good corners corners left. I'm not, I'm not sure why you take a step back there, especially because 
Wendell Robinson, again, I, you know, he, he's another Kadarius Tony pretty much. Um, you know, it, assuming he's probably going to get traded anyways. But, yeah, you had, you had guys there. I don't know why you trade back more. Um, it, it was an interesting move. But, yeah, you know, Bradbury had a career year, 2020. Definitely did take, you know, he had, you know, it definitely did come down to earth last year. And, yeah, you know, we kind of saw it coming in the last few weeks. But, um, yeah, I just – I don't I don't, I don't don't really know why he, he really did because it's – I know with a wide receiver you've been banked up and you really have a ton of production. They didn't have a receiving touchdown last year from a wide receiver. But um, – or, you know, or, or, I mean, for you know, from a Kenny Galladay, man, and you, you paid him a lot of money. But I just I – don't, I don't know why you, you trade back for him. It just does not – or trade back and not get a – Stay, stay up and grab a corner. I don't. Does it, it does not make too much sense. Yeah, that, that position is very weak now, and um, and it'll, it'll be especially in a division now where you got some really good wide receivers with the Eagles, the Cowboys. You know, Terry McLaurin's a very good wide receiver. Washington, like, there's some really good wide receivers in your division you have to face, and the cornerback wise, it, it's not the strong suit could really hurt the team. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a team that I feel like is going to be rebuilding this year. I mean, I th- I th- I'm not big, big into Daniel Jones, and uh, I I think I think this team is rebuilding. That's probably why they made this move. But I mean, I, I, right now, I I, I mean, I, I think James Bradbury isn't great, but they're not a better football team right now without him. But yeah, I understand not, why they made yeah. the move. I understand why they made the move. I would have made the move too. I just don't like the philosophy of not taking a corner to replace him in the second round. Yeah, yeah, I don't need that. I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, because you take a step back and you, you're kind of, yeah, it's not, it's not a position of their strong suit right now. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's a division that's got a lot of offensive talent. You're gonna need another corner, and you know, again, like an Andrew Booth, I thought had a first round grade. You know, and uh, Kyle Gordon, I thought it was like right around where he went was I thought right, you know, early second first rounder, second rounder you know, late first round pick, you know, they, you could have got a really good corner there to help out. So yeah, it's just, it's an interesting decision to go get another wide receiver. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't know why he did it. Yeah. It makes sense to cut Bradbury, but yeah, not to pick up another corner. Um, it was a very, very interesting move. Yeah. So now, because, because if you draft a Gordon or you draft a booth, they could be as good or maybe a little bit better than Bradbury was last year. Now you're definitely have a, your number one corner is definitely worse than Bradbury was last year. So you're gonna to have to rely. They're gonna to have to rely on getting pressure on the quarterback with with Thibodeau, with Williams, and with Ojolari. And they're gonna they're gonna and they're gonna they're gonna be blitzing a lot because Martindale blitzes. But they're gonna to have to blitz a lot. But my con- my concern is they're gonna be playing a lot of man coverage, or there could be a lot of penalties there. But you know they're gonna be blitzing a lot. And you know they're they're gonna to have to rely on getting to the quarterback because their secondary is not gonna be great. No, it's not. Yeah, it's it's gonna to be tough. And yeah, you're gonna to have to. And I know they struggled. Giants struggled last year, and I think they they did. You know, obviously did address their pass rush, you know, getting a KV on Thibodeau. Um, you know, so, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, they're going to have to bring pressure to the quarterback. And the secondary, yeah, it's going to take a lot of hits like it did last year. Um, it's going to be a big kind of learning curve for this team. But, yeah, you're going to have to – they're going to have to get to quarterback. It's a big offensive division. And they're they're definitely going to have their, their, their struggles a lot at, at times this year. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be tough, and you know, I'm trying. I don't know if the corner, you know, draft next year's. I, I can't think of it right now. But um, if it's gonna be like a big kind of, is a big corner coming out or not? But yeah, it'll be it'll, 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 it'll be interesting to see if they 
maybe he makes a trade or something, and, or, you know, he's got another idea to try to pick up another corner here before the season starts. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. We'll see. But we got to wrap up talk. We'll wrap up the show talking about the NHL playoffs and the Rangers just keep giving up goals. 14 goals in the last in the last two games. You're not winning doing that. That's absolutely that's absolutely disgraceful. Do, how, how much of these goals are on Igor? How much of these goals are on Shosturkin? These 14 goals that the Penguins have scored the last two games. I don't put it all on him because he's he's definitely giving up his his share of soft goals. But there's no protection in front of him, and, and you know there's. On one of the goals Pittsburgh scored the other day, there was four Rangers all staying in the one spot. And this is a good defensive team. And Dry Gallant, defensive is strong suit. And they've been horrible defensively. They can't get the puck out of their own zone. You know, Mike Sullivan is just running circles around Gallant. He's had a really, really rough series. And, again, the Penguins dominated the last 55 minutes. The Rangers scored four and a half minutes in. And after that, it was all Penguins. I don't put it all on Igor. You know, he made a couple really nice saves on a couple breakaways. But it's just, again, you got nothing in front of you. What do you expect? You know, always blocking shots. There have been some bad turnovers. I don't put it all on him. You know, he's given us some soft ones, but again, he's, just, he's not getting much help in front of him. Yeah, it, it just seems like he's not getting the help, and they're just scoring a bunch of goals. The big question is can the Rangers come back and win this series down 3 1? I know it's hockey, it's not the NBA, so there's a chance, but I just think with the inexperience and, and the fact that they're being out coached, I just don't think they have a chance to come back in this series. No, I, they, you know, tonight's going to be tough because I, I think for, for New York, if pitcher gets out early, they get up, that, that crowd's going to turn on them very, very quickly. And it's a young group that really hasn't been here. And I, I think that could be very problematic for them. Um, yeah, you know, they just can't get the puck in Pittsburgh zone. There's been a lot of lazy passes. It just looks like they're tired. And I want a lot of these guys probably haven't played this late into a season. And I think that three overtime game did a lot to them. And I just think they're they're tired right now. And um, Pittsburgh, again, it's an older group, but they know how to win. And this this is their last go around. I mentioned last week, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, all three of them are free. Or Malkin and Latang are both free agents. They're not going to have enough cap to sign all, all, both of them. So this is their last go around. I think Rangers win it tonight, but they think they go down to game six. Yeah, I think they lose tonight. I think they lose tonight, and they lose in five games. You got them winning tonight. You got the Garden. I got them losing in. Uh, I got them losing. In, I got them losing tonight at the Garden. You got them winning tonight at the Garden, losing in six. So, uh, yeah, I just think the conclusion with the Rangers is too young of a team. They just didn't have. They, they just didn't have enough playoff experience. Yeah, they didn't. They were so good too this year. This this year, kind of short uh, special teams wise, they're great in the power play. They they haven't had many chances. They struggled five on five this year and. You're really seeing they haven't been able to get a lot of penalties drawn, and you know Pittsburgh's trying to take advantage of that. And you know Pittsburgh just been the much better team. That first line of Crosby is just in rust; it's just killing them. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll go to the Bruins. They had a game five last night. They lost five to one to the uh, Hurricanes. The big question is here: Can the Bruins come back and win the series? And what do they have to do to come back and win this series? I think I think the, the Carolina is just a better better hockey team because you look at some of the games. The Bruins have won close games at home, but the but the uh, no because game four was close. Maybe game three wasn't close, but game four was close. But the wins the Hurricanes have seen to dominate the games with it, that they've won. I think the Hurricanes win the series. But Justin, can the Bruins come back? And what do they have to do to come back? Yeah, the Bruins can they come back? Uh, they not played well down in Carolina. I think they could go back tomorrow night in Boston and get another one. Um, I think Carolina probably finishes them off tomorrow. Boston's been you know good on the power. 
you know, Boston's kind of had to take advantage when they're on the power play because with Carolina, it's five v five this series. They're going to score twelve to six. You know, you know, Carolina does not have a starting goaltender. You know, either back yet. Um, I'm not sure when he's coming back. It's some time. I think they're hoping soon he'll be back. Um, ben Anderson, but you know, Retina's played a little bit better. He played well last night. The thing for the Bruins is that first line is, has done all the damage. And, you know, like Bershon, uh, Brad Marchand, you know, Bergeron, Pasenak, they, they've really done a lot of the damage. And they haven't been able to get a lot of those li- the other lines going. And that's kind of been the big problem is, you know, the win a cup final, you got to have four four lines all kind of connecting, kind of doing it, you know, doing a little bit of everything. And they just haven't been able to do it. And they got to get some of those guys going and, I think, too, for Carolina, this is such a big motivation factor, too, because the Bruins have knocked them out the last couple of years in the playoffs. So, for Carolina, they they, they want to kind of return the favor to them. And I think they'd love to do it on, on Boston's home ways on Thursday, and I think they'll be able to do it. You know, Swayman's done a pretty good job in net, but, you know, he's still kind of inexperienced there for a playoff in, in the playoffs, and I, you know, turned a bit. I just think Carolina's got too much firepower. I think they'll finish it off on Thursday. Yeah, do you think the Rask, not having Rask has hurt the Bruins in the playoffs so far? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I just they those the two guys in Swayman and um uh, Swayman and um Yulmark just they don't have a ton of um playoff experiment experience, and I, I think it that definitely has hurt them a bit. You know, because I you know it, it's a different story when you get to when you get to um, playoff hockey. And Carolina's got a ton of really good young talent too, and they've gotten a lot of shots on net, and they've kind of really, um, they've been able to get their goaltending. Yeah, it, 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 it seems like they have all series long. But that's going to wrap it up on Sports Talk with RJ. For our producer, Jace Garcia, did a great job. For Justin Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking the conference finals and the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and the Yankees and Red Sox. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field. But the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not or even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees.